This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. We had entitled the message this morning because we have been talking about the importance of oneness in the move of God. Why it's so important in the move of God to be one. And uh, we're going to be talking about how winning in spiritual warfare makes us one. And uh, I want you to, we're going to start off in the book of Mark, if you would go there, Mark chapter 12. And we are going to do some review. We're going to review and let the Spirit of God minister to you, even in the review. Mark chapter 12. When you're there, you can say, Amen. Let's rest there. Starting at verse 29. For those that were taking notes this morning, I'm going to go over a few things. And uh, I had mentioned that this message is coming from, or is a part now, of the understanding spiritual warfare that we've been talking about. And it's so interesting how the Word of God, everything that's taught, you're going to find connection in the Word of God. Every teaching, nothing gets outside of the Word of God. So it's going to connect somewhere. Some, so it's, it's very important. Even as you study the Word, you'll see as one message is going forth, you'll start seeing that, hey, uh, that's exactly what Brother Hill was saying or Sister, Sister Hill was saying, Minister Martin was saying. It's like this morning when Sister Stinson was referring to in Family Life. She was talking about, you know, the, uh, that, uh, the re-imaging and reconstructing of the image of God and how that's what God is doing now because of the fall of Adam. And she talked about our work and our labor in that work. And I advise you, she was just talking about spiritual warfare on our end, the, the battle that we're in. We're not, we're not sitting here finding devils and trying to cast out demons and any, you know, just going out and thinking that that's spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, you have enough battle in your own mind, in your own life, that you have to overcome. You know, the enemy is just going to play mind games with you. And you know that those mind games, the Bible talks about that there's no temptation taking you, which is, in, which is in common demand. All of us have temptations, trials, and tests, and we can all write a book about our temptations, our trials, and our tests. And they're common to all of us. And God is like, that's where your overcoming needs to be. Your overcoming needs to be right there. Because you don't understand something. And in your overcoming, you're overcoming the enemy. Because the enemy's job, the enemy's job is not, it's just one job the enemy has, is to pull you away from your faith. To deny your God. That's the only thing. When he came to, when he came to uh, do you remember Job? In the book of Job? He came to Job and, and, and the Bible says that the devil came to God. Satan appeared before the angels and he said, you know, and he asked him, have you considered, God asked him, he said, okay, I see you're here, but have you considered my servant Job? He wasn't asking him to consider Job. He was telling him, you've considered my servant Job. Have you considered my servant Job that he's upright? That he eschews evil? That there's no evil in him? That he chooses that which is right? And he said, well, does Job serve you for naught? Does Job serve you because, you know, for not, haven't you hedged him about? Haven't you protected him? And God is like, you can touch anything you want. 
but you can't touch him. And God, and we've got to understand about this system. You're going to lose some stuff and you're going to gain some stuff. And just because you gain some stuff doesn't mean you're right with God. And just because you lose some stuff doesn't mean you're not right with God. See, and that's what the world wants you to believe. They want you to believe, if I have ex- ex- excess of things, I am right with God. God favors me. I am blessed. That's what you see. Anytime you talk to someone, they say, well, I'm blessed and highly favored. And they go on with their blessings. And God has done this for me in my job. And God has done this for me. And God has done that for me. But ask them, how effective are you in the purpose of God? How effective? How, how much of a witness are you? See, you can't tell me that your stuff is a witness to anybody. Because there's people that don't know God that have a lot of stuff. They have a bunch of stuff. They have more stuff than you think. You know, you can sit there and tell me, you know, God wants me to have this and this is showing you that I am in favor with God. No, it's not. So, it's very important. In the very end of that, we know that you, if you notice, if you go to James, it's interesting that I that started there because when you go to James, it says, let's consider the patience of Job. He said, let's consider how Job endured. That's all I want to consider. See, see you've got to understand that the New Testament is going to explain something that the Old Testament didn't explain. It's going to bring to light something that we need to look at in the Old Testament. Many people look at the Old Testament and Job, when they start looking at Job and they say, well, Job feared. He gave place to the devil and because he feared that, you said, we cannot, we cannot speak those things into our life. We have to have the right confession. And all these things, they say, these things came upon Job. No. The enemy had just attacked Job and he tried his faith. And that was all. He was trying Job's faith and wanted Job to depart. And the Bible says that Job would not. Job, regardless of his struggles, regardless of what Job said, he would not deny his God. He stayed with his God. And then James tells us, so let's consider the endurance, the patience of, our, of Job. So that's the thing where it's interesting that, we, that I mentioned that because that's exactly what we're going to talk about. Endurance. See, these are the notes that I wanted you to write down. Because I had talked about in, in our message on spiritual warfare, I was going to define and describe the weapons and their functions. But that's not what I was going to focus on in these two, this Sunday morning and Sunday evening. I was going to focus on showing you clearly the commanding responsibility found in that scripture to God's people. In Ephesians chapter 6, we all focus on the actual weapons but so, so many, it's so interesting that when I read the Bible now, how words just pop out, jump out at you. And so many, sometimes people so just miss words. They miss words in their wrong, and they put them way out of order. You know, like for example, people that just misuse the scriptures and they say, you know, faith is, uh, and it talks, faith calls those things which be not as though they are. And, you know, I was talking to my cousin, and he said, Yo, that's right. I said, that ain't even a scripture. Faith doesn't even call things which are not. The Bible says, and God which calleth things that are not as though they are. Faith doesn't call things that are not. God calls things that are not as they they are. So people, popular preachers, because they want to excite people and they want to put people in a mood, they put things in the scriptures and deceive people. But faith doesn't call anything. You can't call anything into existence. Everything that's in existence is already here. You can't call anything else into existence. You can only labor. You can only work. You can only work the Word of God. But everything that God has for you is already here. You try to call things into existence. 
All you're doing is playing mind games and trying to convince yourself. But in the bottom line, the bottom line is you have to walk by faith. And faith is not about having a bunch of stuff. Faith is at the very end of everything because we can put everybody... There's Christians across the world. There's believers across the world. America is not excluded as the elect Christian group. You know, there's Christians across the world that don't have things and have the great faith that you have. They have great faith because in their trials, their temptations and their tests, they will not deny Jesus. There's people that have to hide to have services like this. They have to go in hiding. They have to go in hiding just to read the scriptures. They cannot profess their faith. They don't have a lot of stuff, but they have great faith. So people that say here in America, great faith means having stuff. Try to talk to people in the other countries. They don't have nothing. And God is moving in their midst. Because God is not about all your stuff. God at the very end of the day wants to make you fruitful. Not the way you think fruitful. Fruitful the way the scripture says fruitful. The way it says you're productive. You actually think about this. People that trust in riches... A lot of times the Bible says be careful not to trust in riches because they cause some sorrows that you do not need. They cause pains that you do not need. And the Bible says it pierces, they, they get pierced with, with, and how does the scripture say it? With, yes. So it's more, so it's, it's more about, with God, it's about you enduring where you're at. Because some people come and are in a, in a place where they're put in a situation that they don't have what you have. They're put there by other people, family members, fathers, mothers, and then they come to know Jesus and then you give them a doctrine that they have to have something when they're already behind in what they have. And God all expects them to do is just stand and love Him. Just stand and love me. See, that's what I understood about my God is that He didn't ask me to go... When I accepted Jesus, I didn't have that kind of crazy doctrine. I didn't have that crazy doctrine when I went about going after and having the right confession and, and calling things that are not as though they were. I didn't have a... All I knew is Jesus changed my life. I was like that blind man. I don't know. I don't, all I know is that I was blind and I can see now. I see that there's a God and I want to know Him. And I went after him. So, all that crazy stuff, you're good. You're in a good place. I guarantee you're in a good place. So, we're not necessarily going to speak of the final victory because there's a victory. But we're going to talk about the process of how to get to victory. There is a process of how to get to victory. And I want you to write this down if you didn't write it this morning. In winning, because we're talking about winning. And this is winning. Winning in spiritual warfare is not stopping, not quitting. Winning in spiritual warfare is not stopping and not quitting. It's continuing in those things that you have been taught and being established in the truth. That is spiritual warfare. That's winning in spiritual warfare. Winning in spiritual warfare, again, is not stopping and not quitting. It's continuing in those things that you have been taught and being established in truth. In winning, it's always about the right attitude. All the time. Always about the right. You have to have the right attitude. The proper discipline 
and the equipping to get it done, to get the job done. Again, if you didn't write it down, in winning it's always about the right attitude, the proper discipline and the equipping to get the job done. So it is possible to have the proper equipping, but with the wrong attitude and the improper discipline, it will always equal defeat and failure. So, like I mentioned this morning, everybody here, Church of the Living Water is without one single excuse. And I made mention, I remember in, our, in our, one of our men of integrity, I'm like, you are where you are. And that's you. That's on you. You know, if you haven't grown, that's on you. If you have not been established in certain things, that's on you. Because, once again, if you see other people in the congregation that are winning in spiritual warfare, then it's possible to win. So, the, the thing is not on the ministry. You can't put, say, this is the ministry's fault. You can't even blame a single individual. You cannot blame a sin. Have you ever drawn to God in prayer and tried to blame God, tried to blame somebody for something that, that, that they did? Have you ever tried that? Say, but God, this person. But God, what about this person? And, God, and, and you notice that God didn't say anything to you? If you're really sincere, you know that God didn't address the issue? Have you ever been offended or an offense has crossed you? Because the Bible says it's impossible for an offense not to come. So an offense has crossed you and you wanted God to address it and He never addressed it. Have you ever been there? And you know what? I like that about God. Because He doesn't deal with that kind of crazy stuff. He's still looking for you to stand. That, that is so interesting. Because I can... In, so many of us can tell you story after story about something that happened in their life that God didn't say anything. It's like, you know what? Okay, I am never going to address that. And don't ever expect me to address that. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Because that's something that is uncontrollable. So how are you going to respond? What is your response? And you may think that you're the right in the right in the situation. And you know what? You probably are in the right. Up to this day, when I start thinking about a situation, I still think I was in the right. But have I ever gone to that person throughout the 12, about 15, 20 years that this happened? Have I ever gone to that person and said, you know what, during that time, I still think I was right. What is the point of that? There is no point. That's immaturity. That's a child. That's somebody that does not want to grow. That's somebody, not just that, somebody that has not grown. That brings up foolishness. Because remember, God doesn't do that. God does not respond to foolish things. All He looks at, once again, to the believer, I just want to see how you're going to respond to this. How? And the beautiful thing about it is, I know how you're going to respond to this. He already knows how you're going. So I'm like, in every situation, that's why you've got to look at everything in the light of who God is. And how he is with his people. You have to look at it that way. Even when you miss God. Even when you fail God. You have to look at it. God you knew that I would do that. You knew that I would fail in that area. You knew that I would miss it. So where is the provision? What now? What do I do now? Where do I go from here? See you cannot dwell in condemnation. Because God is not condemning you. Because he already. Just like Peter. Peter wasn't born again. But God knew what Peter was going to do. Peter talked a good game. But God already knew. And a lot of us, we, we can talk a big game. 
We can tell what we're going to do. We can quote scriptures. Church of the Living Water is scripturally equipped. They know how to put things in the proper order. But I promise you this, my brothers and sisters, there's going to come a thing in your life that is like, what do I do about this right here? How do I handle this right here? And God has said, that's exactly where I need you to be. Because that's the place where you're going to just trust me. See, regardless, I've, no, I've seen that even now in my life. God is like, are you going to trust me? How are you going to trust me in this? Are you going to look to me? Are you going to depend on me? And out of all that, that, that that's going through my mind, He still says, endure. Patience. Continue. Don't stop. See, I was telling Brother Hill this morning, every time Brother Hill gets up here to minister, he's winning. Because he's not stopping. He's continuing. See, you may look at Brother Hill, you may look at, at the situation that's going on since our pastor has passed since September the 1st, and say, you know, are they hearing from God? You know, what's going on? You know, is, is this the way it should have been? Is this, you may, all these questions may come up across your mind. And that is spiritual warfare. Those are the things that the enemy will throw in your mind and you have to go back. See, this is, this is key. You have to go back and find out what God told you about being here. That's where you have to go back to because you cannot question. See, one thing about God, He already knew that would happen. He already knew everything was going to... He knew that. He knew these things were going to come to pass. He knew the things that were going to have to be in place. He knew. But you notice that this ministry hasn't missed a beat. It hasn't missed... It continues. Actually, it's continuing with a building attitude. It's continuing with an attitude in our young adults that you haven't... There's an attitude in our young adults. Now, see, we don't want them just to have the actual work, the actual... The, the actual... What is it? The doing, just the doing and the doing and the doing. We want them to be equipped. We want them to understand. We want them to gather. And that's what we do. We, we hit not just their service, but we hit their, their, their minds and their hearts with the Word of God. We continue in that because we know I look at this pastor's ministry class that was just preparing us to actually teach somebody else and minister to somebody else and show somebody else how to do it. What is the expectation? AMC class, that was just the preparation for this time right here so that we would know how to go forward. See, there's really not, there should not be a concern in our hearts about God that is in our midst. I'm going to tell you why. Because God, remember, God is about the generations to come and to follow and that will follow. You know, I've seen recently, I've, uh, there's two pastors that recently passed away that I knew. And, and one of them, you know, and, and you know, whether they hear it or not, it's not a problem because if I get an opportunity to chat with them, I will tell them, you know, how I, how I, what I believe about it. You know, Pastor never put a co-pastor here. A co-pastor. But he established ministers that knew exactly what they needed to do. He established, he said, no, you're going to know, you're going to touch ministry, you're going to know. And you know that the most important thing to my pastor was you, was the people. You know, he would make decisions based on the people, based on what they needed to hear. He, you know, there were certain things, and you know, you remember, there was times that he wouldn't even take time off because of the people. You know, because he needed to be there. 
you know, and, and he was there. You saw the continuance and the faithfulness. But in these other two ministries, it's interesting because one of the ministers, one of the pastors established a ministry there. And it's so interesting that how people view ministry. See, ministry is in the church. Not a, God is not about establishing your own thing. He's not. And He's about protecting the people in that church, in that congregation. So whoever is established should already be prepared to know that this is the place where you're going to minister. Pastors said, pastors said that about the ministry. And you know what? I'm carrying on. These are not even in my notes. But pastor has said things about the ministers here in the past. He's like, I told the ministers, hey, if you believe God has called you, and this is years ago, God has called you to do your own thing, go ahead and do it. Go do it. I'm not going to hold you thing, but what I'm doing is preparing you for here. I'm preparing you for the people here. See, it's a great work to minister to the young adults. It's a great work. It's a, it's a great work to minister to y'all. That's a great work. But don't you see the increase in the lives of people? There's an increase in the life. There's a strength. There's a stability in the lives of people. When you come here, you know, don't you know that you come to a safe place? There's no chaos here. There's no chaos. Things are addressed immediately. But back to this situation. So he's had this individual in his ministry and he prepared him and, he, and you know he did also things he would minister for him he would carry on he knew all the aspects of ministry and now that he's passed he's like God is calling me elsewhere but that was necessary it's, it's only because of a lack of understanding of how things need to be run but that's and, and I don't say that as something bad towards them I'm, I'm trying to bring it back here that that's not what you have here here, you're, you've been protected. He never invited other people from other places to come here. In the past, 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 there was times that that's happened. But he saw that everything that you need is right here. He saw that. And he pulled you out. He pulled you out. And said, no, this is what the... Con-. He, he, then you start seeing other ministers coming. Not just the ministers that minister on the... But other ministers started coming forth and minister. And then he, you think about it. All new members perfecting class is preparation. It really is. And it's preparation for ministry. And you know, you're able to actually get up here and get used to certain things. And it doesn't mean that you're not teaching something because it's very important. That's a foundational class. That's very important. Don't ever think that, I'm, that we belittle anything that anybody does. Because any, any children's teacher, anything that you do is of great importance. And everything involves, like for example, just because the same care that I have, if I get up here, I should have the same care if somebody told me I have to go teach the children. I should have the same care if I have to teach anyone in this ministry. It should be the same care. I should put attention to it. Pay attention. Make sure that I do my, my part. And that's for all of us. But you know, that all, and all of that that we do, when I was going back to the things that we deal with, the thoughts that come into our mind about what's going to happen, all God expects you to do is to go back and consider what He told you when you barely came. Talking to that same individual I was telling you this morning and uh, having lunch, breakfast with her yesterday, the one I knew from when I was 17 years old when I gave my life to Christ. And she said, you're still there? Do you like it? I said, I thought about it. 
I thought about it and I said, you know, I better like it. And then all of a sudden I said, but even if I didn't like it, you know, God called me there. That, that, that was, and that's, that's the truth. Because have you always liked something that's gone on? Have you always liked what's said to you? Have you always, you, the things that have, been, that have dressed you personally, you have not always cared for them. You haven't always liked them. And some, of, some people have left and come back. Because I want to tell you, there's an establishment. Once again, there's an establishment here. But in all those things, there's like this young lady. I'm like, I started sharing how I came here. How it happened. And that's exactly what I do. Once, one thing you're going to have to, and we're going to get with this in the teaching. One thing you're going to have to do is not become impatient. Not to move. Great counsel. Don't move outside of council. Do not move outside of council. The people that have left have moved outside of council. Outside of what I've seen. They've either rejected the council or did not want the council. So, it's easy, my sister, to tell you something in a text or tell you something in an email and not come, from, and not come face to face and tell you, this is what's in my heart. What do you think? What do you think I should do in this? How do you think I should handle this? Because people that make decisions without seeking counsel, their, their heart is wrong. They want to do things their way, period. They, didn't, they, didn't, they don't necessarily... No, my brothers and sisters, they want to do things their own way. And then those that hear the counsel and they say, no, that's not what I want. Because remember... I've told you about times that, you know, pastors counseled me and I didn't necessarily care or it didn't feel very good how he was counseling me. But I always had to go back to God, you told me. God, you told me. I didn't come here. I didn't even know what he looked like. I didn't know he was a black man. You told me. You told me what you were going to give me. And that's what I found. And that's what I stay with. Through everything. Now that my sister Hill's interim pastor and Brother Hill is being prepared to be pastor, there was no expectation in my mind of, of anything else other than Brother Hill being pastor. You know, that's, that was, I, to me, it was like that was pretty much the direction we were going. But it's like Sister Hill said, we're not going to have a premature pastor. He's going to be very well prepared. Very well. and that and, and the thing about him him continuing again is winning. So every time you see somebody come into these church these doors on a continual basis, they are winning. They are winning. They're coming to hear the word of God, and you see them on a continual basis. And there are people like Sunday Sunday evening crowd. You are winners. And that's not just saying something to prop you up. You're winning the battle. You're continuing. You're continuing to go forward. God is still ministering to you. You're able, you're enduring, you have patience. And God says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. But when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life. And at the very end, you'll be the people that say, well done. You, he that endureth until the end, that's the one that's saved. That's the one that's going to continue. That's the one that, I, that, that is going to enter into the joy of the Lord. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And let's start at verse 10 again. 
And I want to make note again of something I said. In this spiritual warfare, there is a oneness that, can, that we as a congregation can come to. And we will come to. And it's so interesting how, once again, any topic that you get that's a doctrine, I guarantee you can find oneness in there. Unity. You can find what God is doing. Even when we talked about... And I didn't even read Mark chapter 12, did I? But that's all right. You know what Mark chapter 12 said is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. No. Uh, But the thing is, even at that, it's interesting how he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one Lord. He's one. God is not doing anything that He does not want to bring you into. That's an awesome thing. It's like, I want to bring you into what I'm doing. Even the angels don't have that opportunity. Angels that are in its presence don't have. The Bible says the angels inquire and look into and they're, they're not able to understand the relationship we have with God. And it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Think about it. He's like, I want you to know me. And I'm like, that's, a, that's the most awesome thing in the world for a believer. That I really get to know God. And you know when you talk to people, they, they have an understanding. They come to you like you really know God. It's like, what do you think about this? Because they know that you... Have you ever had that? That people come and they confide in you and they, they want to ask you questions about the Bible because they know something. You've inquired, you've, 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 gone, you've come close and God has actually ministered to you. And that's an awesome thing. To me, that's the, that is the apex of Christianity. I want to know God. I want to know Him. That is it. Because at the very end, that's what Paul said. Paul said, he's, you know, one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. I, I press towards the things where I, you know, I count all things done for the excellency of the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ, that I may know Him. I just want to know Him. See, all the wisdom that Paul was getting and understanding, he just says, I just want to know Him. See, have you ever been to the place where in your Christian walk, it's like, God, I just want to know. I, this is me. And everything that I go through, I just want to know You're there. I just want to know that You're right there with me. Even in the things that I miss, that You're still with me. I love that. You know, I love that about God because I can look back. Once again, this is about winning and showing somebody else how to win. I can look back and see God even in my unfaithfulness. His mercy. His grace. His compassion. His bringing me out. Him saying, oh, I know. I, I, but I know what's in you. See, that's the thing about God. See, that's why I know that there's a sincere people at Church of the Living Water. Because you continue to come. You know, my thing is this. Some of us have got to a point where we're like, where else can we go? What else can I do? What else can I... Because I'm like, what else will I... Even when there was a time that I shared something with my pastor and uh, months before he went to be with the Lord. And, uh, and even at that, you know, it was to me, my, what I told him, and I won't share exactly what I told him, but what I told him was based all on protecting you. What I shared with him. I'm like, I was more about, you know, know what is good for an individual what is good for the other person it was necessarily about me at least that's what I am believing it was about 
necessarily, okay, what about the other person? And to me, as I examine my heart, even though in, in naturally in our hum, humanity, we do want to protect ourselves. And we, we, we do want to come to God like, God, you know, help me, protect me, deliver me. It, it, that's, that's our thing. But at the very end of the day, we're not trying to get over on people. And that is what I honor about the folks at Church of Living Water. They're not trying to get over on folks. You can see that in our ministry care. You can see that in the care that people provide for other people. You can see that in how they take care of individuals. I could see that in this ministry by just things in my own life. You can see that people are sincere people. But that's all of it's all a part about winning in spiritual warfare and then showing because you notice you notice that even the young adults they do things when they do in service they do it with excellence they they do strive they push it they they want to do things in an excellent manner and and that's all a, that's all a oneness thing right there that's a oneness in this ministry that's the way this ministry does things even when we go to places and we went yesterday that is who we are. You know, you know, the brother was blessed. It was like, you know, I, I really enjoy that you did, you did enough. You know, it's like, but we just sat there and ate. That's all really we did. Just sat there and ate. But just being there and bringing them there. You don't think that that's going to continue ministering? I believe that we may even see some of those folks here. You know, we have our plaque there. It's there. It's showing who we are and our gratitude to this place. And all we have to do is go there and say, you know, this is who we are. And that's a ministry point that we can minister to other people. And people can go there. And, it, and that's what I'm trying to tell you. We have to find those areas that, to show forth who we are. And that's exactly what we're doing in this season. All we're doing is showing forth who we really are. Our new, our next gen uh, service, next generation service, that is just showing our, 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 our communities, this is who we are. All we're doing now, everything that we did, think about it, everything we did this up to this point, we, we've, we are established, we've been established in certain truths. And all we're going to do now is bring it forth and show people who we are. And so, even with the, and, and, and some folks don't know, even with the things, the flyers that we're giving out, those that we're giving out for the next generation service, that's an opportunity for you to show them who we are. This is who we are. This is Church of the Living Water. This is what we're about. You know, see, in, in all of those things, that's why I tell you, prayerfully consider. But Ephesians chapter 6, and I know it's, it's interesting this evening because I'm not touching anything on really on my notes. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of Ismite. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, comma, to stand. Stand therefore. Having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, 
taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the word of God the word of the sword of the spirit I'm sorry which is the word of God so in Ephesians chapter 6 and I made mention that above all some commentators had the, had the idea that it means overall as to cover all that has been put on before. So it's supposed to be over everything that has been put on before. The helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. And, and in my notes, as they've been passed on to me through the elders here, and they have a, in a higher place. And I like, I, like it's, I like this in a higher place. So above all, in a higher place, our taking of the shield of the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation must be in a high place in our life that must be something that we that that we and and i like it higher than any care that we have higher than any desires higher than anything our faith the taking care of our faith and the taking a hold of our faith should be the most important thing in our life there shouldn't be any relationship more important than your faith Nothing, no job more important than your faith. Not than your faith. See, you notice when I told you that it's interesting that people, they do things outside of council. They go and do things. And the things that they do outside of council, have you noticed that it pulls them away from their faith? So they get jobs that really cannot actually support, now what I say, jobs that actually pull them away from hearing the Word of God and not understanding. And, and, and to see, it's not a problem to start off there. It's a problem when you're not working to get out of there. See, because some people have put themselves in a position where they had to work two jobs. But they still... There's some people that work two jobs here, but you see them on a continual basis. Because their faith is most important in their life, not their job. See, and, and that's the place that people have to get to. See, are you at a place where if they told you in your job that it's either working more hours and, and the thing about it, it, there's a way to do it. There is a way to do it, you know, because there is wisdom in it. You're just like, no, I'm just going to quit. No, don't you quit anything. Don't quit anything. Even when you're being tried and you have to do certain things and you have to make adjustments. You go to God. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, you go to God and you ask God. You don't just make, okay, you know, you're taking me away from my church time. I'm quitting. And you quit. And all of a sudden you're out there struggling because you were not supposed to do that. Because God didn't tell you to do that. Because in that time, God could have showed you something totally different. You never know that that may have been a season that you had to do a certain thing for somebody that was right there. Somebody that was in that position. or But you never know what God was going to do. So it's always important that you wait on God. So Ephesians, I, I like this. Above all or in a higher place. And, and it's very interesting because this analambano means to take up. And she explained it as uh, lift up and carry. It's like something you lift and you carry with you. Something you have. You, you lift it up, you take it and you carry it with you. But I like the word take up. Take up and take hold of. Because Ephesians chapter 6 and 17, it means to take hold of. And to take up, the definition for take up is to become interested in, involved in, and engaged in a pursuit. I'm interested in, I'm involved in, and I'm engaged in a pursuit. 
It also means to get into one's hold or possession by voluntary action. I'm going to take hold of something, get into my possession by a voluntary action. See, you're going to, you're not going to, nothing's going to be given to you as it pertains. In salvation, you're given it. You're given salvation. When you receive salvation, it's given you as a free gift. But to have victory in Christ Jesus, you're going to have to take hold of some things. You're going to have to take up some things. You're going to have to be interested in. You're going to have to be involved in. And you're going to have to engage in a pursuit. You're going to have to. Because if you don't do this, you are going to fail in spiritual warfare. If you don't get busy in your own life, you're going to fail miserably in spiritual warfare. Because... Once again, we have to be those that overcome to show others how to win. I want you to go to the book of... Um, let's see where we're going next. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's get into some new information. I want you to write these things down. I told you to remember, remember that winning in spiritual warfare is not stopping, not quitting. It's continuing those things that you have been taught and being established in truth. So again, what type of oneness can be developed among this congregation by those who are winning in spiritual warfare? This is new information and I want you to write down these three points. What type of oneness can be developed among this congregation by those who are winning in spiritual warfare? Number one. It unifies us in our love for God and our love for one another. And I'll explain those things to you. It's going to unify us in our love for God and our love for one another. And I made mention of it this morning. How does it unify us in our love for God and love for one another? The times that God has delivered you and strengthened you and comforted you and brought you through when you didn't think that you were going to make it through or you didn't understand how you would do it, when He showed you His faithfulness and His grace, all it did was develop something in you and you fell more in love with Him. And that love that you, that, 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 that was portrayed, that was ministered to you and showed towards you, towards God, and your return, thankfulness and gratefulness, actually gives you a totally different look on other people. A totally different love for other people. When you see, you know, when you see how God deals with you and how you will now deal with other people. Because, think about it, somebody could have given up on you. I don't know if you've ever been in that place where you just perfected certain things in your life, but where somebody can say, you know, I'm... You know, you just gotten on my last nerve. And I'm through with you. But a man of God, the woman of God, they just don't throw you away like that. Especially especially if God has dealt with them. It's like, no, no. Uh, I, I have to pull them aside. I have to pay a little bit more. There's a young man. There's There's been plenty. But in this ministry, there's been people that, you know, that pastor would look to and then he would put other people to look to and and it seems like they're constantly being watched for and they may not necessarily be doing exactly what they're doing 
but they can never say that an opportunity was not provided for them. Never can say, because see, that's the unified love of God. Remember, hear O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord, one God, one Lord. He said, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says, and you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I love that because you can't but love God's people when God's love is in you. You cannot help but love God's people. Now, you still have things to deal with you in your own and when it, when it is you and that is not God. It's like, no, I just, they, they, once again, they got on my last nerve. This is, this is who I am now. You know, you should never get to the point not among one another that you really that you're like no this is who I am this is what I'm going to tell you no you should never get to that point because you know that the most of the people that, that really know you are the people that live with you they know the real you and they know your, their, your, your ins and outs your goods and your bads and bottom line they should never be able to say you're not a believer you should never not be able to tell somebody to forgive you or that you're sorry or that should have never happened. You know, the, you should, especially your family, you should never be able, there should not be, well, I'm, you know, I have, I'm going to love them from a distance. You may have to love them from a distance for a minute, for a time, but there should never be a part of you that in, in prayer or any type that you're not reaching out to God for your family or for your loved ones or, your, for, your, or for this ministry. You know, that's the thing that we have to develop among this ministry because we, we all want you. We want to all. Like, for example, I don't want to be struggling and all of a sudden nobody's reaching out to me. That shouldn't be, especially when you know the faithful in here. You know, I have a young adult that I was like, you know, it's like I haven't seen you in a long time because they know who's supposed to be here. You know, they know these people. It's like, I know, it's like, I, you know what, I haven't seen them in a minute, but you know, they're constantly here. There should, once again, unifies us in the love of God and love for one another. Number two, it unifies us in endurance that shows others that they can finish. Winning in spiritual warfare unifies us in endurance that shows others that they can finish. And we touched on that this morning. And lastly, and being unified in those things breeds a commitment in those that are winning for everyone in this congregation. A commitment. Remember, endurance shows you, you, you see an endurance in somebody shows you that, hey, I can win. But after this love that's in you and this endurance that we've been unified in, it breeds a commitment towards you that now I can show you how to win. Not just... You see me win, now you're going to have to figure it out on your own. Now I'm committed to you. See, that's what winning in spiritual warfare does. It unifies us to know that, hey, I know she has some struggles because she's in flesh. Or he's in flesh. I know they're struggling. I know, I, I know that I guarantee you that it doesn't matter if you're called to the ministry or it doesn't matter... That, 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 you're, that you're serving in ministry in your ministry of helps you still have issues you still have struggles you still have cares you still have desires and God says but endure just continue 
Continue going forward. Continue to do the will of God. And you know what? There's sometimes that we have to actually sit down and say, okay, we need to, I need to reevaluate some things in my life and set things in order so that I can do what I'm supposed to do. Because sometimes we want to be involved in everything. And that's not what God wants us to do. Not everything. Sometimes we have to learn that we have to learn, say, you know what, I can't do that. But that doesn't mean you're not committed. You have to understand commitment is seen by what you've done, what you're going on, what's go- you know, I am committed to the ministry. And then you have to teach others that they have to be committed. Like, I'm telling you, certain things that other people, that certain pe- there, there should be certain things that people that do things constantly should be able to give to somebody. Because they know that, hey, I've got to be committed to this. I have to endure this. But they should be able to see that by seeing you winning in spiritual warfare. So we're at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, correct? Here are the things which will hinder your winning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, verse 1, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all of our fathers, so these were our fathers, were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. It's amazing that Christ was in their midst. Christ Jesus was in their midst in types and shadows but he was in their midst. The rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness in the time of their temptation. They were overthrown. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them as it is written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for ensamples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that you are able but, with all, but will with the temptation also will make a way of escape that you may also be able to bear it I like that so he makes a way of escape that you can bear it so let's go back to verse 7 neither be ye idolaters as some of them were as it is written the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play let's go to Exodus chapter 32 which speaks of this Situation, 32 and 6. We're going to start in verse 1, actually. And I made a comment, never make, never make decisions outside of God's counsel. Never think you know the right thing to do. Oh, I just know this. Now, there are some things that you should know, like, when it, when, it, when it comes down to sin, you know the right thing to do. You know, when it, you know it's sin and it's obvious sin, you don't need counsel. 
you need to stand and you need to do the right thing. But when there's decisions in your life that you that may lead you in the wrong way, it says, how is this going to affect my walk? How is this going to affect me? You should never move outside of counsel. You should always, you should have people in your life that are counseling. And, and, and I like the way Brother Hill says, I don't have to go nowhere else. I have it here. Everything you need, I will tell you this for a fact, everything you need in counsel, you will find it here. God, God set it up that way here. You don't need to go anywhere else. And if you go somewhere else, it's because you didn't like the counsel that was given you here. If you said, no, I, I, I talked to another brother in the Lord after you got counsel here, you deserve what you get. Because that's exactly what you're going after. See, it's not that, that we have evil intent towards you, but that's exactly what you're going after. You want to do things your way. And God is like, I'm not about, once again, He's not about you doing things your way. Verse 32, chapter 32, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. These people wanted to move. You understand? They, they, they were at a time that hey, I, I want to move. We want to get out of this place. It says the people gathered themselves together. It says, hey, hold one moment. And when the people saw that, the Moses, that Moses delayed to come down. So it's interesting that I made mention to you that you can never, never get out of patience. Never get out of, never grow weary in well-doing as it pertains to, when I told you, like for example, I gave you the example of What's happening now in ministry? Now, we have an interim pastor. We have our brother Hills being prepared. And you may want to make decisions outside of waiting on God. And God is like, no, stay. Wait on God. Wait to hear what God is... See, because remember, I told you, when you're waiting on God, all, all God expects you to do is stay with the original instruction. He never expects you to figure out anything. Have you noticed that a lot of times we get in trouble when we try to figure out stuff? How do I figure out? How do I do this? What do I do? And God is like, what did I tell you to do? Stay right there. Because that's where God is at. See, I'd rather be saved than definitely sorry. I'd rather be safe from where... See, there is safety in counsel. There's safety in where I can say, you know what? I know, I know that I am safe because I followed counsel. Up to this day... I can say, I followed the counsel of my pastor. I followed his counsel. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't say, hey, I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. When you could have. You can do your own thing. But once again, waiting on God. Let's continue. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears, the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hands and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Today, said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings, brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. 
They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded. See, he commanded them and they turned aside for that which he did not command. Because remember, what did he say? This Moses is delaying. We're not waiting. I don't want to wait. And instead of staying with what God commanded, they're like, no, we're going to do something the way we want to do it. And that's bottom line. And the Lord said to Moses, Get thee down, for the people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them, and they have, they have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed therein too, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Pretty much, they want to do what they want to do. And... I want you to go see. It's very important that endurance is found in, in our spiritual warfare and this and winning in spiritual warfare. That attitude that I'm not going to be denied, I am not going to be stopped, I am not going to quit. That is all endurance. That's all patience. James chapter one, and we're going to end with James chapter one. So you're going to have to resist the temptation in your walk. I promise you, every one of us will have this. Resist the temptation to move outside of God's counsel. Always stay with God's original instruction. If He hasn't said anything else to you, you keep on doing what He told you to do that time you heard from God. When God spoke to you, said, this is what God told me, this is what I'm going to do. And that's what I'm going to stay with. And let God speak to me. Let God deal with me. Let God correct me. But I am going to stay put. I'm going to continue doing what I've always done. I'm not going to make any changes. That's a safe place to be. Especially if you don't know what God is telling you. Don't move. Because that's, I'm telling you, most of the time, like I told you, the people have left. It's all been something that didn't go their way. Something that didn't like, you know what? Whether they didn't like the commitment, whether they didn't like a decision that was made, whether, whether it didn't matter. And I told you that all of us are involved in this spiritual warfare, even with one another, as it pertains. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but sometimes things happen between one another that it's like something you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to continue. You know, husband and wife relationships, children relationships, you're going to, uh, parent and children relationships, you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to continue because they don't always do what you want them to do. You know, they just don't act. Sometimes they just don't act the way you want them to act. But do you walk away from the things of God? Do you say, no, this is just not working? You continue. Because I'm like this way. You know, when the blind lead the blind, they're all going to end up in a ditch. Somebody has to be seeing something. Somebody has to be understanding something. Somebody has to be somebody that they can go to. And you've seen that in this ministry. You've seen when the wife is standing, when the brother is standing. You may not see the other individual, but somebody's standing. Somebody's continuing. And that's teaching somebody else how to stand, how to continue, how to be unified in this race. So, James chapter 1. Let's go there. And I'm not there. I'm bad habit. James chapter 1. Let's start on verse 1. And we'll read to verse 12. 
James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in his all his ways. Double-minded, well, you're going to stand one day and you're not going to stand another day. You, you have to stand. You have to continue to stand. I want to go to verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. We're going to stop there. But this word patience in verse 1, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 3 and in chapter 12, endurance, they come from the same Greek words. They, they're related. They're actually, they're, they're, they're very similar in meaning. So we have, uh, it means, in James chapter 1 and 12, it means resist. I love this definition. It means to stand firm by holding one's ground. So, endurance and patience is not an inactive quality, a passive quality. It means to resist, stand firm by holding one's ground. Resist, stand firm by holding one's ground. The other word means a remaining behind, a patient enduring. I like that. A remaining behind, a patient enduring. Other people may be going somewhere forward. They may be moving and you're just remaining behind, patiently enduring. I was like, no, I'm going to stay right here. I'm not moving. I am going to resist. I'm going to stand my ground. See, you have to have that attitude in spiritual warfare. I'm going to say, I like the word resist. The word resist means to withstand, fight against or oppose. See, these things are not inactive, passive words. It means to stand. It talks about to, to, to withstand, to fight against or oppose. I like to, the oppose means to act against or provide resistance to combat. These are fighting words. Patience is a weapon of warfare. It's a, endurance is a weapon of warfare. I am going to endure. I'm going to stand. I am not going to move. I'm going to continue in what God told me to do. See, people don't look at it that way. They don't look at the endurance. That's exactly what God told. Out of everything in, in James, when, when he mentions Job, let's consider Job's endurance. Let's consider Job's patience. And he goes, this is a virtue. This is a power that Job had. This is what the mark of Job was. He endured. See, and that's exactly what he does, God does with believers. He said, he that endures to the end, this one shall be saved. So God gives you original instructions. And He told me, I'm going to give you a pastor after my own heart. And He's going to teach you according to knowledge. And He told me what He was going to do. And, he, and I saw throughout the years what He was going to do. And then all of a sudden, things, trying things come into our life. And then we want to change because we think God changed. And when we change, just like the people of Israel, we start, we're no longer worshiping God. We're worshiping something else. Even though we say, okay, God is telling me to do this, 
But if it's, it's, think about it. God is not going to start you somewhere and all of a sudden change his plans throughout the, the, the course of that. So, no, I got something different. Now, it's all going to, it has to connect in some way, form, or fashion. The original instructions that God gave you has to make your end. It has to be seen in your end because everything connects with God. When God called Paul, from the very beginning, God, Paul knew he had a call upon his life. But there were some connections. There were some things that he had to deal with. There were some things that he had to be with. He had to be a part of the church of Ephesus. He had to be a charge of what it says when he spoke to the elders and said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have called them to do. Everything was connecting. God does not do anything. That's why I'm trying to tell you. People that think that they have a call of God and a ministry and they're here and they're there and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I'm like, but what about the people? What, what, about, you know, what, what about the people of God that you were ministering before? Because once again, it doesn't mean, like for example, during this time, during this season, during this time of building that we're in, it doesn't mean that we're not going to touch other ministries out there. That we're not going to affect other ministries out there. But think about us. I look at this little old us that has a big part in what God is going to do. Just, and, and we're not a big ministry. But I guarantee you, and your pastor has said it time and time again, your pastor has said, some of you can teach in these places. Some of you can go in these places. There's something, I understand something about ministry and how it works. All because I sat under somebody that taught me how it works. I saw him endure. I saw him stand. I look at Sister Hill's life and, and, and I see how she was a wife to my pastor, how she was a minister. She ministered to my pastor. I see all those things and I see what a wife's supposed to be. I see how I see the ministers here and I see how a minister is supposed to be. I see the young adults here and I brag about the young adults. I said, they're our young adults. They are a, a great group. They're, they're a group that I love being a part of as it pertains to being, being someone that's ministering to their lives. All of that, I can be proud to say when I go to a ministry, somewhere, when we, if we touch any ministry, they're going to know they're going to be like Jesus and the disciples, like the Pharisees and the disciples. These people have been with Jesus. Because they, they may not be what people accept or what people say, well, this, are, this, 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 is, this is what a minister is supposed to be. They may not be everything that somebody wants to cut them out to be. But at the very end of the day, they cannot deny what you understand about God. They cannot think about it. The places that you are, I don't know about you, but if I'm given an opportunity to share, I'm going to be able to share, and I'm confident about what I know and what I understand. But all that, all that comes from endurance. All that comes from patiently enduring through the 27 years, just continuing. To continue to go forward. Continue. Even when I did not want to come. And there was times when I'm like, my God, you know, this, this is just constant and constant and constant. And during those times, I remember during those times, it's like, that's when Pastor would have, you know, come over here. And all of a sudden, he's like, he didn't ask me what's wrong. He didn't tell me, what do you, you know, you know, what's the problem? All he said is, what are you going to do about ministry? 
What are you going to do about what God told you to do? That's all I want to know. And I'll say the same thing to you. What are you going to do what God told you to do? How are you going to address what God told you? See, because if you're a part of this ministry, you should have never become a part of the ministry because somebody else. I've seen that in my life. I brought a lot of people here from family. But all it is is me and my mother. And that's it. Out of all the people that came because they could not stand. They would. And you know what? Maybe it wasn't for them. Maybe they came for the wrong reasons. And that's fine. I'm fine with that. They can continue somewhere else. But for me, I was like, no. This is where God has called me to be. This is where I'm settled. This is where I will continue until I am told otherwise. And that, and that means otherwise when I'm told that, that is godly counsel from those that are with me. You know, when, when it comes down to doing, you never know what God is going to do in this ministry. You never know the lives that other people, other, uh, uh, the lives that are going to be touched with. It's like this. The Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So all I know is that Church of the Living Water is going to be the ministry that God spoke to our pastor that it would be. Rivers of living water in a dry place. It's going to touch the lives of people. We're going to go to places. We're going to, experience, we're going to be able to touch the lives of people in many different areas. You just, we just have to wait on God and be patient. Because once again, look at this. The committed are not that great of a crowd. Not the committed. We don't have a great number in the committed as it pertains like to hundreds upon hundreds and close to a thousand. No, we don't have that. But those that are committed, they know how to be committed. And that's what you need. That's what you need. So, let's wait on God. Don't just, let's patiently endure and wait on the Lord. You may stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.